0: If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, as we are working our way through the book of 1 Samuel, and we are finishing up chapter 17 today, and we've been looking on a series titled, God is Able, and as you are finding those, um, uh, that chapter, I have some cards this morning that I would like to read to you. The first card... <clears throat> Ten Mile family, we would like to thank you all for the concern you have shown while we have been down with COVID. Thank you so much for the calls, texts, and for the snack box of goodies. It's wonderful knowing that we have such special people looking out for us. We are blessed to be a part of such a family. Much love and thanks, Brad and Tara Owens. The second card, to our Ten Mile Church family. Thank you for all of the work that was done at our daughter's house. It is amazing, and we are so blessed. Thank you for the prayers, calls, visits, and texts while in the hospital. It means so much, and that is from the Clark family. And the third card this morning, to the Ten Mile Church family, we sincerely appreciate the wonderful meal that you prepared while we mourn the loss of our grandmother, Adorius Higginson. We truly felt the outpouring of love by so many of you. And that is from the Higgison family. And I always read those. And if you're here every week, you're sick of me saying this, but I don't care. And uh, what we do here are important is so important on Sundays. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so we come here to worship God and to learn about God. And when a Christian tells you that worship is not important or you don't need worship, they're a liar. But what we do every day matters greatly. And how you love people when they are losing a loved one, how you love someone when they are in the hospital and cannot make the improvements to their home that are needed, or just when someone is sick and the prayers and concerns that you have, that is what we are trying to do. The church is too big, and there are too many hurting people for just me To take care of. And so you are being who God really wants you to be. And so I pray that you will be reminded that yes, it is a large church. And yes, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that call 10 Mile Home. But we want you to know that you matter to God. And you matter to us. And so thank you for being the church that you are. And so today as we start 1 Samuel chapter 17 or finished chapter 17, excuse me, we're looking at God is able. And if you're taking notes, and I hope that you will, the subtitle is, Do You Really Believe That He Will? You see, most of us have been in church long enough that if someone asks you, what can God do? The church answer is, well, God can do anything. And the Bible even says that nothing is impossible with God. You can go down to the kids in the little classes and ask them, what can God do? God can do anything. My kids are always singing a song about God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot. I mean, I hear it all the time to the point where I'm thinking, "Mm, it's like a vacation Bible school song. You love them for seven months and then it's like, kid, I'm going to slap you. you... No, I'm kidding. Somewhat. But anyway... uh, That's how it is. And most of us honestly believe that God can. But most of us struggle with will. Will God work in my marriage? Will God save my prodigal child? Will God work in our family? And so today I want to talk to you about going from just believing that God can to believing that God will. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, we're going to read our theme verse for this series, starting in verse 37. And it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Pray with me. Father, we come today, Lord, acknowledging that the only thing good that can come from today is what you do. And so, Father, I pray that you would forgive me for any sin in my life that would hinder what you are trying to do in this place. Father, I pray that the preaching of your word would be used by your spirit to change lives this morning. Lord, that you would save the lost, that you would encourage the downtrodden Lord, that you would reconcile the devised. Lord, whatever needs to happen in this place today, Lord, we pray that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone. And Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, if you're familiar with what's been going on in chapter 17, uh, David went to the battlefield and he saw the children of Israel. They were afraid, they were hiding. And every day Goliath would come out and say send over your best warrior for 40 days this has happened and they have not done anything and David asked the question why why are we not fighting this man why are we not going against him and and his brothers said who do you think you are right you just uh, your heart's wicked and you just stay out of this and and uh, David keeps asking people and so Saul has heard and Saul's generals have heard that David is asking and David is believing that God can do this. And so he is brought in. And today I want to talk to you because most of us have a big problem. Most of us go to one or two extremes. One of us refuse to acknowledge that there are problems in our life. There are problems in our marriage. I don't have no struggles. I don't have any problems. We don't ever fight. We don't ever disagree. And friends, that is a terrible extreme to be at. The Bible says if you say that you have no sin, the truth of God is not in you. And so today, you need to be willing to say, God, I have problems. Lord, I'm struggling with this depression. Lord, I'm struggling with this sin that no one else knows about. As a couple, we're fighting more now than we've ever fought before. And I just don't know if we're going to make it that prodigal son or daughter who has left and doesn't want anything to do with God that you raised in church and you're asking yourself this question well no one knows that they're as bad as they say they are that's one extreme and the other extreme is being so overwhelmed by the giant in your life that you do nothing and that's what the children of Israel did they knew they had a problem but they were terrified of doing anything with this problem and so that's where we find ourselves today. And today you have those two choices. You can just keep on acting like everything's fine. You can leave here the same way you came and said, I've been two-faced all my life and ain't no one know about it. Look up here. <laughs> Everybody knows you're two-faced. They're just afraid the other one's uglier than the one that you usually wear, okay? And so they don't say anything. Your kids know. Your neighbors know. We might not know here at church because we see you for an hour, but people know, and most importantly, God knows. And so you can leave here the same way that you came, experience the same defeats that you experienced, and friends, as long as the ship is not being battered by the waves, you'll be fine. But when the day comes that it all falls apart, that's when you'll realize that it's not been worth it. Or two, today you can admit to God, Lord, I have burdens, I have struggles, I have sin, I have problems. And today I want you, God, to be at work in my life because I know that you will. And so let's just jump right in here today. And if you're taking notes, and I hope that you will, you need to be prepared for battle. You need to be prepared for battle. Let's start in verses 38 and move forward. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put on a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not, don't miss these two words, tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself himself, Five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. I want you to stop right there. Because today you have to make an acknowledgement to God that you and I are in a spiritual battle. We are in spiritual warfare. And the world tells us there is a certain way to fight. In your own life, God created you with that struggle. God created you that way. That sin that the preacher talks about, don't you worry about that. You just keep doing it and living that way. And whatever makes you happy, that's what's most important. In marriage, the world tells us, that woman, she nags you all the time. That husband who now has a wraparound front porch on his temple, you know what, it ain't worth fighting over. Just get you a newer model. Just take half of everything and start over fresh. That's what the world tells you. At work, the world tells you that boss of yours that's a, that's a heathen and talks dirty and acts dirty, you suck up to him all that you can so that you can get on his good side and that you can get that promotion and that you can make more money. That's the world's advice to you and I. But God says you've got to die to self. You've got to repent of your sins Flee from the wickedness that we have in our life. In marriage, God tells us that He has put you together and that that marriage is worth fighting for, that marriage is worth saving, that God can bring life to those dry bones, God can change everything, regardless if they don't look the same way they did all those years ago. And at work, God tells you to be a light in a dark world, no matter what it costs you, to be willing to stand, You see, friends, the world tells us that we are to fight a certain way. But God says, it's time for you and I to be ready for battle. But we have to be ready for battle God's way. And the world told David, you need a sword. You need a spear. You need all this armor. This is what you need to fight and kill David. But David had never wore that. David didn't have any business with that. And friends, so many times as Christians, and I want you to hear this this morning. God is preparing you for the battle to come in the times of peace. You see, that's why as a Christian, every day you need to be reading this book. And I don't mean the one verse that your phone sends you from Bible Gateway. I mean really reading and studying God's Word. You need to really have a time of prayer and fasting. And you say, Jake, but my life's really good right now, and and I'm so blessed, and everything's going the way that it should be. Well, friends, one of these days when you get that doctor call that says it's cancer, one of these days when you get that call that your spouse says they don't love you anymore, one of these days when your job calls and says, hey, you've been a great employee, but we don't need you anymore, in that day when it all falls apart, And you go running for this book that's covered in dust that's that's underneath the table that's in the back of the closet and you open it up and you say, God, I want you to speak to me. I'm thankful that He will. But God has been trying to prepare you every day, every moment in the weeks and months leading up to that by what? Testing what God has for you. You see, David knew that a slingshot and those stones would work because why? He had been using them for years, And friends, the more time you will spend in this book learning about the God who loves you in the good times, when everything falls apart about you, when you go to him, he's not a stranger. He's not a creepy next door neighbor. This is the God that you have grown to love and know on a daily basis. When life falls apart about you, around you when you've had a time of consistent prayer and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and God's been answering the little prayers God's been working in your marriage and, and, and maybe your temper's not as bad as it used to be and and maybe that car payment you th- didn't think you were going to be able to make that God provided for it, or, or maybe that relationship that you never thought was going to be reconciled that God has restored it. When the day comes that it's all falling apart you can know that God will not only hear your prayer, but that God answers prayer because why? You've seen him do it over and over again and most of us have been spending so little time with him that we don't know that he can be tested and found true you see uh, I used this analogy in the first service and I wasn't going to use it in the second one but I will just for the sake that it's not fair, right? Sometimes I wish I had as much faith in God as I have in my belt. I don't know if you know this or not, but my belt has quite the job that it used to not have. My belt now has an extra couple holes in it that it used to not have because the belt keeps shrinking in the dryer. But um, every Sunday I put this belt on and I come up and stand in front of you knowing that even though it is holding up a whole lot of weight and I might do a judo kick or a jump, that I have full confidence that it is going to do the job that it was asked to do. But friends, how many of us don't have that much faith in God? Lord, I I know that, that our marriage is bad. And Lord, I know that you could if you would, if you will. But you have to believe that God will. You have to believe that God will answer the prayers of his people when they are asked according to his will. And so David knew this because David had been trusting God For years, He had been trusting the tools that God had given him for many years. But look what it goes on to say. Just because you are preparing, just because you have the tools that God wants you to mean, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Look what it says in verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. You see, so many times our spiritual battles are not physical. Most likely today, someone is not going to walk up to you and punch you in the mouth and say, show me what it looks like to forgive someone. Turn the other cheek now after I have hit you. It looks like this. It looks like the person on this Sunday morning, you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I know I'm not a very good witness at church, at work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better. I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to control my temper at work. I'm going to say nice things about my boss. I'm going to do all things without disputing and complaining. Tomorrow morning, you walk into work, and your boss walks up to you first thing and says, just so you know, even though we've known it's coming for three weeks, and even though you told us not to do it, we're going to work you seven days this week, 12 hours a day, and uh, we're just so glad that you're here as an employee. And if you don't like it, you can quit. And in your mind, you're going, I've got three kids' as ball games. I've got five kids' as birthday parties this week. I've got two under-butter basket-weaving classes. I've got too much going on! For you to schedule me for seven days. And in that one moment, what that person has said has done what? Caused you to stumble. That that witness that you're trying to live in the community, you're serving God. And then you hear that someone's around town telling all kinds of lies about you. See, it's those words. You decide, I'm going home today from work. And I'm going to be kind and compassionate to my spouse. I'm going to... Love them and forgive them and love them like Christ loves the church. I'm just so ready to, to be the husband God wants me to be. And you walk in the door and say, there's seven days worth of trash sitting there, you lazy bum, take it out. And in that moment, everything in you says, well, I'll tell you, lazy bum, it's those moments of persecution. And friends, you need to understand something. Preparing for the battle, being ready for the battle doesn't mean that during the battle you won't face opposition. That you won't face resistance. Satan knows the areas of your life that are the weakest. Satan knows the areas of your life that you struggle the most and Satan knows exactly how to use those against you. You say, preacher, on the way home today I'm not going to complain about the lion at Dairy Queen. I'm not going to complain about it all. I'll just go to McDonald's. I'll just avoid it all together. I know that it'll be better there. You go to McDonald's and there's 37 cars wrapped around, right? They got every exit pulled up and you wait and you wait. You're thinking, I just heard the sermon, just heard the sermon just heard the sermon. I'm not going to complain. Not going to complain. Get up there. I say I'd like a plain McChicken. That's all I want, and a small water. I want a plain McChicken and a small water. You pull off, and your plain McChicken's got uh, mayonnaise and pickles, and and you didn't even get your water, and and you're saying I'm just I'm going in there right now. How do you mess up a plain McChicken and a water? In that moment, you have been tempted. You have faced resistance, but that's easy. But think about this week if. The person you trust the most fails you. The health that you have been relying in the most falters. It's in those moments that even though you've been preparing, even though you've been planning, even though you've been trusting God, when that opposition happens, what will you do? You see, every day, twice a day, for 40 days, the Philistine, Goliath, had come out and said, Who's your God? Fight me. Do something. And they were doing what? Nothing. Fear had completely hindered them in serving God. And today you have to make that decision. Is fear going to hinder you from serving God? Is your fear of failure going to serve you from hindering God? Because look what it goes on and says here in verses 45 through 47. Not only do you need to prepare for battle, you need to trust your commander. You need to trust your commander. Look what it says here in verses 45 through 47. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you... To the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. To the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That are the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David doesn't say I'm the best slingshotter in the whole world. I'm going to take you down. David doesn't say you're big, fat, and old, and I'm young and vital. I'm going to take you down. David says God is going to win the battle today. And friends, that's because David trusted his commander. And my question to you today is this. Do you truly believe that God has your best interest at heart? Now, all of us say that in the blessings All of us say it in the good times. Lord, whatever your will for my life, that's what I want. We've sit in Sunday school classes and said, Lord, whatever your will is for my life, that's what I want. But can I tell you that most of us, when we walk out that back door, we say, Lord, whatever you want for my life. But I sure have a few requests. What if the Lord asked you today to go to Africa and live there in the middle of Africa as a missionary you say oh not a problem I can do it I'm ready to go but then God might say well maybe you should go across town and apologize to that person you hurt well Lord your will be done but that's not what I meant maybe today God's going to allow you to go through something and it'll cost you something maybe financially or your time and you say Lord whatever your will is but that's a lot you see there is a passage in the old testament a prophet by the name of Hosea And I'm teaching that on the nightly devotion. And if there is one person in the Old Testament who probably gets the raw end of the deal, in my opinion, if I am a person looking at that situation, it's him. Because this man is a man of God, he's a prophet, and he gets ready to take a wife. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to find me the prettiest, most beautiful, most godly, most wonderful little Jewish girl that there is. And God says, I want you to go and marry a what? A harlot. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of what a harlot is. Parents, you can take care of that with your kids on the way home if you want to. But we're talking about this woman who is not faithful. She is running around. She's doing things that's only supposed to be done in marriage with multiple people. And God says, I want you to go marry her. If I'm the prophet, I'm saying, that ain't happening. Lord, that's too much. You've asked too much of me. I am not giving away my entire married life to this person. God, you know who she is. You know what she's like. And God says, I want to use your marriage as a picture to the nation of Israel about how faithful I've been to them and how unfaithful they've been to me. And you say, Oh, I don't, still don't care, God, that's too much. And so if you're familiar with that book in the third chapter, this woman has left her husband. She is now living in slavery and sexual bondage to another. And if you are the prophet, you're probably saying, God, see, she can live over there and make a mess of her life. And what does God say? God says, I want you to take your own money, and I want you to go to that person, and I want you to buy her back. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, But that's probably the moment that Jake Gray says, listen, I married that woman. (laughs) I put up with it. I'm not bringing her back. And God says, you are going to because I want you to see how much I have loved you. And how I have went and got you and brought you back. How, as a New Testament Christian, we know that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die in our place. That even though we are wicked and sinful, that He will forgive us. That He will love us. And the Jewish people in the Old Testament had ran from God and ran from God and ran from God. And God says, every time you run, I have pursued you and I bring you back. I pursue you and bring you back. And it's this wonderful picture of God's love and mercy and grace and judgment. And so friends, today maybe God is allowing you to go through a trial and tribulation because that spouse that you're living with is not a Christian and your faith in this difficulty might be what God uses to reach them. Maybe the brokenness that God has brought into your life today is what God is going to use to reach that prodigal child in your life. Maybe that mistreatment that you take at work because of your boss is because you have a lost coworker that God is trying to use your response and your actions to reach them and save them from their sins but i'm too worried about god i want what i want when i want it how i want it and god it's all about me and god says it's not about you and it's not about me it's about the fact that god saved me from my sin and i said when i gave my life to jesus whatever you ask lord i'm yours lord whatever it takes i'm yours And that's what David says. I'm going into this and I know that God's going to win it because God is not going to be defied. God's not going to be argued with. God's not going to be mocked. God is going to win this battle. And friends, do you really believe that today? Do you believe that about your situation that God really is trustworthy? And the third and final thing this morning. You need to be prepared for battle. You need to trust your commander and third and finally you need to be ready for what comes next. You see, most of us are asking this question of if God works. I need to be saying when God works. I don't need to be saying if God answers this prayer. It is when God answers this prayer. Not if God moves and works in a mighty way. It's When God works and moves in a mighty way. And I want to show you this starting in verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David is running toward this giant, but he's also running to an army behind them. Because I want you to catch this. The Philistine army is behind him ready to go. And you know why they were ready to go? Because they believed that Goliath was going to kill David. And when Goliath killed David, that was going to be their opportunity to do what? Just take everybody. To march forward in victory. They believed that their champion was going to win. And they were confident of what comes next. But don't miss this. In verse 49. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head... With it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, don't miss this. In verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. Why would you have to arise? Because they were not expecting David to win. They were still hiding. They were still fearing. They were still afraid. They did not believe that God could use David to win. But after David wins, then what happens? We're ready for battle now. And friends, many of you today are in the same position. I've served in church long enough. It's my time to sit in the back, be grouchy, and complain about all the young kids running around in the lobby. Shut up. That's what i got to tell you. Well, I used to teach Sunday school, but... But, I, but I, uh, I, I, no one liked my class, so I just quit. Now I sit here in my class and don't like it either. Some of you are here today saying, you know what, Jake, I used to love the church. And I used to serve the church, but I got hurt really bad. And I'm just afraid. Maybe today you're here saying, Jake, I know that God wants to save me. I know that God wants to forgive me. But I'm terrified of what my life is going to look like if I think like Jesus and live for Jesus and talk like Jesus. And, and what will that look like? And see, you're just like the children of Israel. You are not prepared that God will win. But friends, you have to believe that God is able. That God can be victorious in your situation. That God can do what only He can do. You see, as a Christian, we have to get away from this mindset that, well, God's not going to work. You see... we have to get in the mindset that the reason we have nursery workers is because we believe that God is going to open and bless mothers with children. And if God's going to open the womb and bless mothers with children, we better be ready to take care of them. And the reason we have children Sunday school teachers is because we believe that God is going to send young families to this church and those young families need a place to be taught and, and loved and mentored. And so we better have people that are willing to teach. We believe that God is going to give us opportunities to love families as they lose loved ones and are struggling. And so that's why we have a committee that feeds families when they lose loved ones. We believe that God is going to send people into our lives in this community that need help. And so this week we're going to try to build a wheelchair ramp for a family in their 90s. And so if you can help one day or have the time, let me know. Because why? If God's going to send us people that need help, we have to believe that we're ready to be the ones to answer it. That's why we've been filling the baptistry up every week in July and in August. Because what? I believe that God is going to save sinners. And if God is going to save sinners, then they're going to be baptized as a sign of obedience after that, and so yesterday, I had the wonderful privilege in a pond just uh, about five miles from here, baptizing Marcy Kuniko yesterday afternoon. And last week, we had the privilege... Of watching two young men baptized. Next Sunday, we already have two more baptized. You say you filled it up for nothing today. I don't know. God might save one of you here in this service and you want to get baptized. Listen to me, driving home in wonder and wet underwear is not near as bad as missing heaven and going to hell, okay? And so that water's ready to go. I brought extra underwear, by the way, but you probably didn't. But today, if you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you say, I've been saved, I've been born again, I'm ready to get wet, let's do it! Why? Because I believe that it's not a question of if, it's when. And so many times as churches, we don't believe that way. We believe, well, if God will work, and if God will move, and if God will do things, we ought to get so excited that, boy, I tell you what, I'm sitting here in church every Sunday, and I'm just waiting waiting for someone to come pat me on the shoulder and say, we got 37 kids in the nursery. You care to come help? Look up here. It ain't all my fault, okay? But that's how we ought to start living. We ought to start living sitting here in church saying, oh man, I hope someone pecks me on the shirt. There's 109 kids in the children's ministry today and they need someone to help. We ought to be so excited that during vacation Bible school, we ought to be waiting for that phone call. Woo, I hope we get a phone call. It says we've got 237 kids today. They need a whole bunch more volunteers because I'm ready to volunteer. But that's not how we serve God, is it? We come into church and say, oh, boy, I hope the nursery workers show up today. I really don't want to go in there. Oh, boy, I hope Pastor Jake don't stop by and ask me to sing in the choir. Oh, uh, I'm going to ask. You just have to get over it. That's how we come to church. Well, I hope the sermon's not too long today. Oh, boy, I didn't eat breakfast and I'm so hungry. Oh, I even feel it right here. That's how we come to church, that's what it's like. And what has happened is we have become like the children of Israel. We are scared. We are hiding. We're doing nothing when we should be saying, God is going to do great and mighty things, and I get to be a part of it. God's going to work and move, and I'm going to be a part of it. That's why we put door greeters at the front door, because we believe that God's going to send new families all the time, and we want someone to be there to welcome them. And show them that we're glad they're there. Why? Because if we believe that God is going to do something. We ought to be ready when he does it. It's like the old saying goes. If you're going to pray for rain you better carry what? You ain't carrying umbrellas. And usually it's because we've been disappointed. Can we just get honest this morning? Most of us have prayed for something for years. And we've not seen it happen. And so we just stop believing. Oh, I've came and listened to Jake preach for years and there's never been a good sermon yet. I just, no reason to even get excited. Look up here. It don't matter how good Jamie sings. It don't matter how good the choir looks. And I'm telling you what, it was good looking today. Especially that back row far right from where I was standing. But it don't matter how much smoke and music. If the Spirit of God is not in it, it's nothing. And this morning I want you to know something. Do you know who's responsible for the Spirit of God working in your life? You. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. I am just so tired of Gary Browling's Sunday school class. All he does is just talk, 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 talk. What do you think he's supposed to do? He's called the Sunday school teacher. His job is to teach you. Well, I don't get nothing out of it. Look up here. It's you. It's me. Because I am not letting the Spirit of God work in my life. Life. You say, oh, I don't like the song service. It's too long. It's too short. Jamie do not sing loud enough. And if he just wears skinny jeans and spike his hair, I know I could worship better. I'm telling you, if he spikes his hair and wears shitty, skinny, skinny jeans, I'm sitting in the lobby. But anyway. But that's what I've heard people say. It's just not cool enough. It's not fancy enough. It's not new enough. It's not flashy enough. And look up here. All you need is the Lord. It's all you need. It's all I need. So today, you've got to believe that God will, that God can. And so it goes on and says here as we finish. <clears throat> Verse 51, well, we'll go to 52. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and they wounded. The Philistines fell along the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. Then Saul saw David going out against the Philistine and he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As the soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine... Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. You see, that doesn't make any sense. David just talked to Saul, got his armor, or at least someone in the army he talked to. How would they not know who this is? And there are two assumptions. One is the person who put the book of Saul together, Samuel together added this later. I don't agree with that. I believe it was this. I believe that Saul was so overwhelmed with fear and was so not thinking well. And the Bible tells us that when he goes to see the medium and stuff like that, that he was so confused and so defeated that he was so completely useless. But if you remember a few chapters ago in the book of 1 Samuel, and I'm going to finish quickly, there was a city that was being surrounded And the enemies of that city said, send out your greatest champion and we'll beat them. And they sent out a letter and a cry to all Israel that they needed someone to come and fight for them. And do you know who that person who responded to that challenge and came and fought for them was? Saul. And the Saul that went and fought for that city against an enemy a few chapters ago, is now so scared, so confused, so dehabilitated, that he is useless. And what is the only thing that has changed from the chapters before to here? The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And friends, today you need to know something. If you are a Christian, the Spirit of God lives within you. He indwells you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will strengthen you. He will convict you. He will empower you. There is nothing that God cannot do through you with the power of His Spirit. But friends, when you quench it, and you let sin into your life and fear control you, friends, you become useless to what God wants to do through you. And the choice is yours. There was nothing special about David other than David loved and believe God. And today friends. You can love. And believe God. Bow your heads with me. As Jamie and Janice come. Just for a few moments. Today you might be saying. Well Jake. I, uh, I'm not a Christian. I don't have this confidence. In God. Today you can. The Bible tells us. That Jesus Christ loved you so much. That he was born of a virgin lived a perfect life and died on the cross in your place and in mine. And the Bible says that today, if you will repent, that means you acknowledge to God that you're a sinner and turn from your sin and say, God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to save me. I want you to come into my heart and life, God, and change me and be the Lord and Savior of my life today that God will save you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've ran. It don't matter how prideful or arrogant you think you are. You are nothing in compared to the holiness and love of God. And today you can be saved. You might be saying, Jake, I, I made a prayer when I was a kid or I was baptized, but today I just don't know if I'm truly saved. I, just, I don't know if I died today where I would go. Today you can have assurance if you'll just come and get along with Jesus and his word. Take care of that and do business with it. Today, you can truly be saved and know that you know where you're going. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I know I'm saved, but man, my life is a mess. I've grown bitter in my faith. I, I've grown doubting in my belief. I've I, just got so much stuff that I just can't let go of that I, I just can't serve God. Today, you need to come and find a place and say, Lord, I believe that you can conquer every giant in my life maybe you're here today and God's already done that for you and you just need to come and thank him and say Lord thank you for getting me through that depression Lord thank you for saving me Lord thank you for restoring our marriage Lord thank you for saving our children it was blessed this week to have a young lady saved at home and so God is at work we ought to be thanking him and so here in just a moment Jamie's going to sing and Janice is going to play And so I'm going to ask that you stand with every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray. And then they're going to lead us. Father, right now as we come, Lord, I know that it's your spirit that has to be at work in the lives of these people. And so, Lord, today I pray that your spirit is convicting the lost to be saved. Lord, I am praying that your spirit is convicting the saved to live with confidence in you. Lord, I pray that right now, God, you are working in hearts and lives in ways that I cannot even imagine, and Lord, that you'll get the glory. And so, Lord, I'm not asking if you're going to work, but, Lord, I'm thanking you for what you are doing and what you're going to do. And, Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working. And I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.